Amen. You Amen. notice Tatum didn't sit down next to me. Are we fighting already? No, no, okay, we're good. not. It's a good thing. Good. Matter of fact, yesterday we went to the beach and he was carrying my phone. I'm like, babe, I can carry my phone. You don't have to carry it. He's like, no, he's like, tomorrow you're going to have a microphone. I got to do everything <laughs> I can I did say that. to it be in true. your good graces. That is true. So you're my good graces. You're good. But hey, we are excited to talk all things relationships today. It is marriage, singleness, family, work relationships, tough relationships. You just throw it at us. We are going to tackle it um, from God's word. And, you know, God created us to be relational beings. Right in the beginning, he created Adam. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. God has All the men said amen. <laughs> amen. God has created us. He's designed us to be in community. He's designed us to need people in our lives. And the Bible actually talks uh, very specifically about relationships. And we have so many examples in the Bible of, you know, betrayal and jealousy and marriage and deep friendships and, and all the good and the bad and the ugly. And God's word speaks into all the relationships and all the things that, that we would face in life in regards to our relationships. But, you know, relationships are... They're a great addition to our life. There's so much value in our relationships. And, and God wants us to have healthy relationships. He wants us to have relationships that honor him. And so, you know, we're not up here today because we have it all together. We just want to start some conversations, help point us in the right direction, and see what God has. And you know, while we were sitting here, you had decided to answer that first question about uh, what does a healthy relationship look like? Well, that one did not make it, Tatum. It did not okay. stay at the top. So we're going to just roll with Let's what they're roll. throwing at us, okay? okay? Let's go. So the first question is this. With 19 so far, uh, put it at the top. How do you raise kids to have their own relationship with Jesus and not force Christianity on them? That is a great question. That is a great Tatum. question. Um, <laughs> You know, I, th I think a big thing is, is just being real. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times people compartmentalize their Christianity like, oh, that's something that we do on Sunday or it's something, you know, it's a, it's a lifestyle that we live and we're in certain friendships, groups. But it, it's just being real. It's allowing God to be a part of, of your whole life um, and modeling it for your kids, the, your kids seeing you walking with Jesus, your kids seeing you reading your Bible, your kids seeing you honoring God and the so decisions that you make and, and allowing God to work in your life and allowing God to work through your life and, and having those conversations um, with your kids I think is so important. I think a lot of times people can try to super spiritualize or over spiritualize things and, and make it weird. It's like just, just be real. Just be real with your kids. Allow them to see it being worked out in the good times and the bad times. Admit when you make mistakes and, and you need forgiveness. And, and just being real with your kids I think is super um, important. Deuteronomy um, eleven nineteen says, teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you are on the road, when you are so going good. to bed, so and good. when you are getting up. Just talk with your kids about the Lord and what he's doing in your life and in your family all the time. Yeah, and what happens, you guys, is, is kids, your kids, do not need another sermon. Like people think, oh, I want my kids to love Jesus. I'm taking them to church. And they're going to, that's important. Hear me. They got to get to church. They got to have a community of, of, of friends that are believers. But they don't need another sermon. There's no sermon that's going to help them. Uh, have their own relationship with Jesus. So what they need is a model. They need, like Tatum is so eloquently put, they need you to model it. So um, if, if you know Tatum and I or you're close to us, you will quickly see, and I'm not just saying this because I have the microphone, but who we are right here is who we are when we leave right here. Um, our kids see us here, they see us at home, 
I don't just love Jesus at church on Sunday morning. We love Jesus at home. And we talk about what God's doing in our life all the time. Like, it's just, we walk with God. And I think the kids will, will pick that up. They'll see that. And what will happen is they'll, they'll want nothing more than that because they've watched God show up. I mean, I could sit and say, God is a faithful God. Well, our kids know that. Why? Because they've watched God be faithful in our, in our family. Hey, you could, take, you could pray bold prayers and take bold steps. Why? Because we've, they've been with us when we're praying bold prayers. We've taken bold steps, moved out of here to plant the church. They've been with us through that all, and so for them, they, they, they catch it. They watch it, right? And I, is, that, is that good? Is that all right, everybody? Is that, that help answer the question? Anybody, please help us out. We need some, we need some affirmation up here. Okay, they, like, so I just think that, that that's uh, important, um, and I think that after that first tier of home life, Man, you just got to get them around, around some friends. While they are, if they are in your home, you control who they hang out with. Yes. Yeah. Did you hear me say, I don't know if I like this. You don't like it. Don't let them hang out with them. Like, change it up. Like, that's yeah. important. Uh, the Bible tells us that those who hang with fools will suffer folly. Like, there will be collateral damage if you're letting your kids hang with other kids that is, are walking in the wrong direction. And so you, we guard that. I mean... Don't underestimate the influence that your kids' friends have on their life. It's, it's huge. Their friends almost have a greater influence on their life than you probably do. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, so it's, it's important yeah. to guard that. Good job, Tatum. I knew you'd crush that. Good job. Come on, you guys. What else you got for us? We're gonna, our, our goal is to not, we're not going to do a, like a Bible study in-depth dive on everything. We just want to get through as many of your questions as we possibly can. Okay, so next question. How can we improve our intimacy or take it to the next level? Now, Chris. if we're talking about, if we're talking about like, babe, I want to open up my heart to you a little bit more. Um, that's one thing. If we're talking about, you guys want to talk about sex and intimacy and sex. Second service is where we're going to do that. I know first service. I'm so sorry. So in second service, I'm going to dismiss the junior high kids. And anything that you guys bring in uh, on this, we're going to in that context, we move it over to that second service slot so we can dismiss our junior high. And that second service, uh, the Q&A, they're going to be available for you online, I promise, like right after service. So you could be like watching the, watching the football game and listening to all your questions about sex, okay? I promise you. I will answer. We will answer all of them. All of you. I mean, you just, if you have some, throw them in here. But we'll get to the racy ones or anything like that in second service. Deal? I am not, I'm not afraid to answer them. We will answer them. Um, but Tatum, go ahead, hon, why don't you, how do you improve your intimacy? Um, for those of you who aren't going to make it to second service, I just think, uh, you know, scripture says in Corinthians that you are to, to render to one another the, the sexual intimacy that's due to one another. It's a actually not like, like sex on demand kind of a thing, like Bible says, here's the Bible verse, you know, kind of a thing. But what scripture is saying is that you, you, there is a there is a biblical scriptural obligation to satisfy each other sexually within within a marriage. Knowing that, my question for you is: Is your marriage biblical? Like, are you satisfying each other sexually? You, there is that mandate on on a on a couple. And so, how do you figure that out? What does that look like? I think just asking this question is a good one, and you have to ask each other that question. You have to talk. You have to. I don't know, guys, what do you want me to say? You have to be creative, um, experiment, whatever, to your, own, to your own comfort levels as you talk and honor one, one another 
and that's all I'm going to give you in first service. Second service, we can, you guys can push on that as much as you want, but, um, but it is a biblical mandate. I will say this, that a married couple that's with each other um, will have a better sex life than somebody who's jumping around from, from experience to experience thinking that this is where they're gonna find the fulfillment. Because a married couple over 10, 20, 30, 40 years gets to know each other sexually and go on all those experiences together and experiments together, whatever you call it, and they will develop a better sex life and a more fulfilling sex life than anyone outside of the marriage bed. God said that the marriage bed is undefiled, right? That's where he intends for this to happen, and there's a reason for it. It's better in marriage, not that I've had it out of marriage, but uh, just so you know, studies show um, it's true. And and in a in a biblical marriage, there is a there is a mandate to get that figured out with one another. Tatum, you nailed that. That Thanks, was babe. so good. I have nothing to add. That was nothing at all, huh, honey? All right. Well, there you go, everybody. Um, yeah, so again, second service will hit some more of those. And if you guys could, as the questions get answered, Chandler, just mark them as answered so it moves them off the top for me. Thank you so much. How do you raise kids? Okay, we did that one. Um, oh, wow, this is a good one. And we did not prepare for this one, but we'll do it anyway. Um, can you be gay, lesbian, gay slash lesbian, and be faithful to God and accepted by him? All right. Tatum again. No, I'm just kidding. So, great question, and that's a, this is a massive conversation, right? I think our, our youth talk about this all the time, um, something that comes up all the time. So that, first of all, let me answer that second part of that question. Can you be gay, lesbian, accepted by God? I want you to know God, I said it, I said it in the beginning of every single service, God loves you right where you are. And there is no tagline. There is no, you know, oh, but if, there's not. You just need to understand that God's love for you is perfect. We live, we live in a fallen planet. And so what happens is that we have in our, I believe, and we're just having a conversation, right? So I believe that when scripture says that we were born into sin, we actually have tendency in us that, in our DNA almost, that pulls towards sin, that pulls toward rebellion from God. And so all of us will have different tendencies. Does that make sense? So you look at some demographics and there's a tendency, a pull toward alcoholism. There's a, some of you wrestle with pride. Some of you wrestle with lust. Some of you wrestle with, and there's these pulls inside of us toward different, what the Bible calls sin. Things that is, this is not what God intended for you. This is not how God designed you. So while we're wrestling through all that, God loves us. But remember what I always say, he loves us enough not to leave us there. He loves you where you are, but he doesn't want to leave you there. Why? Because God's best for you actually exists outside of you continuing to live within a, a sin lifestyle. Does that make sense? So I think when we ask this question about gay and lesbian, it, it, part of it frustrates me because it is a great question, but what frustrates me is that we end up taking that topic and acting like it's just a bigger topic or it's a bigger sin or it's a bigger, it's, it's, it's just like, and I look at it as though as it's just like any other tendency or sin. And so therefore, what do you do? You deal with it the same way. You repent and you turn to God. 
You repent and you turn to God. Now, I already have in the back of my mind, everyone goes, well, what about it's, it's, it's under your skin. It's who you are. <clears throat> we were all born into sin and we all have tendencies. I have to overcome my tendencies the same way you would. Now, can you struggle with uh, homosexuality, lesbian, gay lifestyle? Can you struggle with that and still be a Christian? Listen, that's like me asking you, can you struggle with pride and still be a Christian? Can you struggle with, home, uh, with alcoholism and still be a Christian? Can you struggle with fill in the blank and still be a Christian? What's the answer? Absolutely. The, the, the issue is, are you struggling through it? In other words, you're not just like, well, it's just the way I am. Okay, you see what I'm saying? There's a, God, help me. I realize that you have more for me. I'm gonna move uh, my life toward what it is uh, that you, you do have for me. Um, let me give you a scripture real quick. Is everyone, everyone hanging in with me? You all right? Um, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Write this down. It's all, I want you guys to hear this, all right? Do you not know? So realize when, when scripture's being written, it's Paul writing to a church that's sitting in a home. They get a letter from Paul. They open up the letter in their home. In that home are all these people that, have, that are giving their lives to Jesus, that are kind of asking questions about Jesus. And you got to put yourself in that context, right? This letter comes in, this family of the church is gathering 30, 40 people together, right? They all know each other. <laughs> That's important. They all know each other. They all know each other's backgrounds, and, and they read this letter. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Pause. What did you notice with me? Every, these are just, he's just going. And everyone's going, oh, that's you. He's talking to you. Oh, that's, that's you. That's you. Right? And, he's, and they just know the family, the community struggled with all these things. Are they in the church? Absolutely. My goodness, you are loved. Come on, let's go. Let's move forward together into all that God has. They're all in the church. But watch what he says. And such were some of you. He says, don't you realize that you're not getting this one here in there to King God, and this is sin, and that's it. This is outside of what God has for your life. Hey, such were some of you. In other words, before you gave your life to Jesus, you were identified by that thing. You, you were a drunkard. That's all you were. You just were. It's like just, and you see the people, they, they feel it. This is who I am. 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 When you give your life to Jesus, watch what happens. You have a past. It was a, you once were. It once, it once identified you. It no longer has that hold on you. You are not identified as that. Fill in the blank. Someone say amen, right? You are not that. Okay. So then he goes on. He says, you once were some of you, so what's worse than you? But you were, thank you God, washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. In other words, you are no longer those things. You've been set free from those things. You're moving on from those things, and we're moving forward, struggling forward together. Are you loved? Absolutely. And God just keeps pointing forward. I got more for you, I got more for you, I got more for you. Make sense? Everybody all right? If you want to write me a follow-up question, go ahead in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, um, in the comments below. But great, great question, you guys. Love, love, love that. Hopefully that's helpful. Um, and let's see what else we got. You guys doing all right? You having fun? You okay? All right. I know we got 
How did your relationship with your spouse change after having kids? What advice do you have for this transition? Caitlin, I've been talking a lot here. You have been talking a lot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm teasing. Now you're in trouble. Um, yeah, now I'm in trouble. No, I think it's a great question. I think there's that fear of when you have kids, like, what's it going to be like? It's just us two now, and then all of a sudden we're going to throw, you know, a kid in the mix. What's it going to be like? And, and honestly, it is going to change, but I'll tell you, I, it will change. It can change for the better. Um, and I think a huge priority whenever you have a kid is keeping your marriage the priority. Great. Don't allow all of a sudden the kid to become the priority. You have to keep your marriage as the priority. Um, I think that's key in having a healthy marriage when you start to have children. So still having date nights, still communicating, still making each other your top priority. And often I see people, you know, they, they have a kid and their life is turned upside down and everything becomes about the kid where for us, our kids just, they just came into our life and yep. what we had going in our flow. And I feel like because of that, it allowed us to have a healthy balance. And, and it was fun. We, we, I think it was yep. fun. It took our relationship to another level of now having this little one that we're investing in and taking care of together. Absolutely. I, I think that's very well said. I don't know that I add anything to that. You guys will someday, you married couples with kids, you will someday, those kids are going to be moving. If you've done your job right, right, they're... I don't know how we're doing. We'll see. Our 21-year-old, like, okay. When do, they, when do they go? Help me, family. Like, when does it happen? I'm, I'm teasing Elias. I love you so much. Um, when you've done your job right, they move out of the home, and you're with each other. Like, this is your commitment, everybody. This is your, and your kids need this. They need this to be healthy. And so I just think, don't be worried. Like, they're going to pull you in all these directions. Keep this, to, keep this at the center. Yeah. Stay focused on, on this as the center at the core of the home is this relationship. The kids come around. That's great. I love seeing families, like, they're bringing their kids everywhere and, you know, just go, right? Make sense? Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that's helpful. Um, come on, guys. Keep them coming. You guys are easy. These are easy questions. Come on. Push them to the top. Help us out. Um, so the next question is this, Tatum. It says, I feel uh, that I am the spiritual hierarchy in my marriage. How do, you con how do I convey to my husband that I need him and our, and our family needs him to be the leader. So here we have a, a wife who loves God, whose husband uh, sounds like does love God, but is not, you know, what in her mind, stepping into this role as the spiritual uh, leader with, within the home. Do you, do you want to speak to that or you want me to? Um, I would say, I think, because this one came in earlier and we had chatted through this, and I feel like you've got great things to talk about with the expectations. But um, I would start off first saying, you know, there's a precedence as a woman that you will set in your home. And, and oftentimes, you know, you might be looking to your husband to be the spiritual leader in the home, but in every other area in your home, you're the leader. You know, he's kind of taking second place as, as the leader in the home, but then you're wanting him to step up in this area. So first I would say, hey, you need to, to look, are you allowing your husband to be the leader of your home, period, first and foremost? Um, and, and then I think that there needs to be that follow-up conversation. If you are allowing him to be the leader of your home, but you feel like he's lacking maybe in this one area, um, I would just have a conversation with him and be able to sit down, not in the moment maybe when it's heated, but, but have a time where you can sit down and say, hey, I would love for you to step up and lead our family spiritually. Don't I, tell I your don't husband, I'd love, you to, I'd love for you to step up, <laughs> to step up. Don't say it like that. Right? Say, okay, as say a man, well, how, how should you say that's you the Tatum way? No, no, no. That's the Tatum way. <laughs> any Enneagram <laughs> out, any out there? Anyone know the Enneagram? 
Come on, raise your hand. You know Enneagram, right? Tatum is an eight, like a strong eight, like strong eight. And so my, yeah, right. I always feel like I'm in trouble. She's like, no, I'm just, just strong. How's the non-eight way to say that? No, I love it. That's great. No, that's that's great. I I think like you said. I mean, that's such a general, so where that comes from, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 says, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, and this is the body which is, uh, Christ is the head of the church, which is his body, the, the Savior, the Savior of the body. I messed that all up, which he is the Savior, Ephesians 5, 23. So scripture gives us uh, a, a roles and responsibilities, not, listen, it's not, um, it's not value and importance. It's not like the man is more important. Because I know when that question got read, some of you ladies in here were like, what do you mean head of the house? You know, like that kind of, there is a scriptural role and structure where the man is to, is to lead. And a lot of times as a, as a woman, um, and I'll let you speak to this, if you don't understand what God is asking, it could be a little frustrating. Like, what does that mean? Again, it's not value and importance. It's role and structure. Everything has structure. Government exists whether you like it or not, because there's structure. Your school is running well because there's structure. And so there's, God says, here's the structure in a home, okay? What happens is if in that home that man doesn't fully love God and lead the way, a wife who does can feel a little tension, a little, little, little frustrated. So um, I, I think you, there needs to be clarity when you say that. I need you to lead our home spiritually. For a guy, you're going, like, what does that mean? We going to church yeah. more, or like, is it like, what does that Family mean? Family prayer. What do like, you want do me to do? To, yeah, do I need to hold hands when we pray? Like, what? I just think there needs to be like, that's just so general, uh, and so a little bit of like, what are you thinking about there? What does that mean mean for you? And then I think too. I mean, come on, we all are growing. You need to give them room to grow. Speak into it, pour fuel on it, but don't don't degrade uh, a man because he's not where you want him to be spiritually, right? You might have been walking with Jesus for 10, 15 years. They just gave their life to God. And, and like Tate said, you're gonna have to find that balance of just tucking yourself up under him, you know? And babe, I believe in you. That's the way you do it. You speak it over him. You know, you, you always wonder why your, your husband does all these great things for other people, but never at home, right? It's because when he does it for other people, they're like, thank you so much, you're the best. He does it at home and you're like, finally. It's about time, right? You know, it's like, so at home, they just kind of shut down. You want to see your husband come alive? Seriously, you just speak, you speak over him. Love and respect, love and respect. The, the husband wants in a home respect. The woman wants love. The man will give love when you give him respect, right? And, and, and the woman will, wait, the man will give love when you give him respect, and the woman will give respect when you give her love. And it just, it just works, it works. Yeah. So you see what I'm saying? You got to get back in that flow. You tuck yourself under Get specific about what you're talking about and give them room. Give them room to lead. Be, be specific in what, what you're talking about. Have those conversations. Um, I think that's, I think no, that's, that's good. Is that all right? And you got follow-up questions asked. I guess just there's grace. These things are not like, here's your answer. It's you got to, there's balance in things. And so you're constantly having to adjust as you're moving forward in life. But yeah, there you go. Everyone's all situation's right? different, you cool. know. How do I rebuild a strained relationship? Tatum, we just went through COVID, political stuff. Everybody's fighting. Some people aren't talking to their family members anymore. There's people that they used to do life with, and now they're not, but they want to do life with them again. Marriages that have struggled, and, and relationships need to be rebuilt. Right? So how do, we rebuild, how do we rebuild relationships? I think a key thing is grace, lots of, lots of grace. Yeah. 
um, as you're learning to rebuild a strained relationship, you have to come at it with just being gracious with the other person, forgiveness in your heart towards the other person, um, and allowing things, allowing yourselves to move on. Um, I think that's huge, just having that, that forgiveness and that grace right up front. That's huge. I think you got to realize everything takes time, right? Yeah. Everything takes time. you got to give it time. And I, I, I'm going to put myself in the shoes of the person who hurt somebody. You strained the relationship. You did something wrong. Because um, that's usually the person asking, how do I rebuild the relationship? <laughs> like, I broke this. Um, so you need to hear this time is, is, is on your side. Yeah. It's going to take time. You cannot force after you broke a relationship, you cannot think that tomorrow it's going to be the same as it was the day before. Does that make sense? It takes time, and not just time, but you're filling that time with, like Tatum said, intentionality, and here's what you need to hear. It's, it's all about trust, because yeah. what you broke and what breaks in relationships is trust. Yep. I got around you, and I got hurt. Why? Because you took that conversation to another level, and you were intense, yeah. whatever, and it hurt me. Um, so you broke trust with people. I leaned on you, you didn't show up, and now I don't want to lean on you anymore. I, I, you know, you said, right? And you break trust. So you got to build trust over time. The way you do that, Jesus said, is let your yes be yes, let your no be no. You build trust by being trustworthy. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. You want to rebuild that relationship? To start, very simple. I'm going to let my yes be yes, my no be no. And I'm going to start to rebuild trust in this relationship. Let that person, if they set a boundary and say, I'm only going to let you this close, because that's what happens when you break a relationship, right? Like, right? Honor it and just build trust. And as you do, that boundary will come in closer and closer. If you try to break over that boundary, well, you put that boundary up, but I don't like it. I'm going to climb over the wall. Guess what? They're going to build a bigger boundary and push you even further away. You lovingly, just consistently, yes be yes, no be no. Build trust, build trust, and God will start to heal that, heal that relationship. So truth plus time equals trust. Let me say that again. You tell the truth. You be faithful. Yes is yes, no is no. Plus time, give it time. It's going to build trust. It's going to build that relationship back, okay? Does that make sense? And I think you'll see relationships get, get restored. Lots of grace, lots of intentionality, lots of um, rebuilding of, of trust, all right? Come on, everybody. Man, you're crushing it, Tatum. You're doing so good. What do we got next? So I love my husband and my life, and yet lately I've been having thoughts of someone else. Just thoughts. I feel awful, and I need to know how to overcome, how to overcome this. Want to help this one out? You want me sure, to help this? sure. Okay. Um, it's a slippery slope when you start to allow your thoughts to engage on thinking of someone else who is not your spouse. Um, I feel like now is the moment, now is the time, and I'm glad you asked this question to be able to, yeah. to catch it and guard yourself from allowing Great. it to go further. Um, you know, the Bible talks about uh, taking all of our thoughts captive. Um, so I would, I would encourage you a couple of things. First of all, I think of take your thoughts captive. Like don't allow yourself to go there. When you're, you start thinking of that person, just shut it down. God, help me not to do this. Get yourself, your mind put on something else, focused on something else. Um, but I think the other part of that too, I, I don't know the context. I don't know if this is someone who's a friend of you and your spouse, if it's someone you work with, someone that you, you know, 
see at the gym. I don't know what, what it is, but I would tell you to take some, um, some strong uh, steps right now and, and to cut this person out of your life. Yeah. You know, if, it, yeah. if it's someone that you and your spouse hang out with and you guys are friends and they're around, that you're only putting in yourself, you're fueling that temptation. And I would say just cut that temptation out of your life. Do whatever it takes to get it out of your life um, so that it doesn't go down that path. Guard yourself right now. Um, you don't want to allow that into your marriage. Um, and so I would say, yeah, cut that and, out of And your I love life that you're asking it now thoughts. because it's a thought. And, yeah. and, but what you need to realize about thoughts is Jesus always went to the thought life of man. He never just went to the external, right? In other words, what Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust after her in your heart, you've committed adultery. Like he backed it up, right? Yeah. And so I'm glad you're seeing it as a right now yeah. because this is the root, all right? Those thoughts, please listen to me, will turn into actions. If you nurture those thoughts, they will yeah. turn into actions. And those actions, listen, they create patterns. It, it, it will move you down that road. So Jesus always backed it up to thought life. So I'm going to tell you this. You need to repent from those thoughts. Take every thought captive. Receive God's Mercy, grace, forgiveness washing over you. And like Tate said, make some decisions to move forward in a different direction. Because yeah. this moment right now, whoever's asking that, this moment right now is, gonna, is going to save the trajectory of your, of your life, of your marriage, of your family. Are you making the decision right now just to cut it out, repent it, run? Repent means turn around, run the other direction, yeah. okay? And I think you asking this question is a good sign that you, you know you, you need to turn the other direction. Yeah. So great, that's great. Tatum, how do you help your older kids and not enable them? That's a good question. Does someone want to answer that for us? <laughs> We're not enabling our kids. Come on. I'm kidding. I don't even, enabling, <laughs> do we want it? We want to enable them to amazing things, yes, but not yes. enable them. Like, basically, maybe somebody's like, hey, my, my son is 30 and that's still at home playing video games. What do I do? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, it, it's hard to know exactly maybe what what you mean by that, you know, because we have had this conversation, our son will be, he's 21 right now, and just trying to figure out that balance of, of wanting to help him and get him through college and onto a good path, but yet, um, you know, helping him along the way, but yet also helping him to start taking responsibility for, for moving into adulthood. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, I did some research on just parenting adult children, because it does change and it does switch, and, and it is a, a different generation right now. Um, all the research I was doing was talking about, you know, when, when we were young, we were on our own. We got married at 21, and we were, we were kind of on our own, but, but kids nowadays, young adults nowadays are waiting longer to get married. They're living in their parents' house longer. It's more expensive for them to move out on their own, or maybe they're trying to pay for college, um, their college debt, and so they're living at home so that they can do that. So it's just a different generation right yeah. now, and so I think it's a little bit more challenging for us as parents to be able to parent these these uh, young adults into adulthood and and helping them but yet yeah also not enabling them to where they are 30 years old and they're they're you know living in your house playing video games all day so what are your thoughts I think that kid that 30 year old man needs to get some momentum in his life is what I think um, yeah it's a weight it's a weight transfer it's a weight transfer right you carried the weight for a long time and now and now you've got to start transferring that weight off onto them and when that happens, they're going to struggle under the weight. But if mommy, daddy always run over there and, and lift it back up, they're never going to get that muscle, my friends. And so you have to let them, when they're struggling, you have to, I know it's hard, but you have to let them feel that 
that pressure, that weight. Does that make sense, the analogy? Like, if you're always running, that muscle won't get strong enough to ever carry it. And, and so it's kind of on you, you know? Like, if you come in and you're saving all the time, and you come in and you're always, then, then that's what's going to continue to happen. That's the enabling, enabling part of it. And here's the great thing, is God's going to catch them. I mean, like, God loves your kids as much as you love your kids, and God is going to, just like all the crazy stories you have of provision and crazy stories you have of God, like, let them go live that and experience some of God just showing up and helping them on their way. And so you got to give them room uh, uh, for that. Does that make sense? Yes, we just said you, you kicked them out. I said, right, I mean, like, my dad was up here to tell you, well, the way you learn to swim is you throw them into the deep end of a pool. So my dad always... I promise you that's what he'd say. Or some, some analogy about a bird you kick out of the nest, right? Come on, Dad, where are you at? Let's get you up here. Um, they did that real well with me. And I think we've talked about, too, you know, how you've got, to, yeah, you've got to allow your kids. You know, we figured it out, and we had our stories, and literally got married, and we lived off, I mean, beans and tortillas top ramen. and top ramen. top ramen. I mean, that is literally what we lived off of. And that was our story of how we had to figure it out and, you know, make ends meet. And, and so oftentimes for kids, we want to, you know, give them what's best and help them. And, but like he's saying, you, you've got to allow them to feel the weight of that. They've got to work out their life just like we did, you know? Um, and, and even, you know, sometimes we sit and talk like, I want to help, you know, help him and get him this job so he can do this thing. And it's like, we have to just let our, let him figure it out and he's going to have his own story and he's going to, he's going to carve his own way just like we did. Yeah. And Amen. God's with him the whole way. Come on, Taylor. Good job. Good job. Thanks. We're figuring it out together. Let's do uh, one or two more. You guys are having fun. Is this all right? It's kind of cool. Something different on the, in the morning. Tate and I love this stuff, by the way. And so if you guys want to keep talking, we could go all day. Um, we just love, love, Bring love. lunch in. Yeah. Right? That sounds bring good. lunch just in do, and just sit. There's nothing else happening today. We can go all day. Um, so let's do one or two more, and let's see what we got. Give you guys a second to try to get your questions to the top here that you want. So what's the best response to a friend that says they are spiritual but not religious, okay? So you got a friend, you're like, well, and maybe you're inviting them to church, and you could tell when they tell you I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. Okay, so here's the good news is that's a great place to start. If people are spiritual but not religious. Because if somebody's spiritual, you know, maybe they, I don't know, everybody, like, let's go down this route. Somebody's spiritual, you could talk to them about the fact that there is a God in, that whoever God is, right, um, he, she, whatever they want to think, there is a God, and you at all are going to know anything about this God, how in the world will you know anything about this God. And I think what I always love to talk about is the fact that we are finite human beings, and God, whoever we understand to be, is infinite, okay? In other words, out, outside of our finite realm, time, space, you, strength, you name it. So the reality of it is this, is that if, if finite beings are ever going to understand an infinite God, finite beings cannot sit around going, well, I think God is like this. This is what spiritual people do. I think, I feel like God might, or I feel like the spiritual force might be telling me. I feel, it's all very, come on, you know what I mean? It's all very feeling-based. And what that is, is it's a finite person reaching for an infinite answer. It will not happen. If I tell you, hey, everybody, I've used this analogy before. 
we're gonna have a Super Bowl party at my house. Here we go after church. Let's go. I'll see you there. I leave, and I and I tell you, you're like, how do I get there? I'm like, listen, you just gotta feel your way to it. Just like feel it out. Okay, I tell you, y'all get lost. We're gonna have a lot of hot dogs and hamburgers left over at our house because you I just feel like I need to turn left. I feel like you get lost, and that's what happens. It's spiritual. They're just spiritual. Just spiritual. Y'all lost. Y'all just lost. You have to just. I feel right. I feel like you know you. You lost. The only way for you to get to my house, we go, hey, everybody, here's this thing. It's called directions, okay? Let me give you directions. You go up the freeway. You're going to get off in this way. You're going to turn left. Make sure you turn right. If you don't turn right there, you have to loop back around. Like, all that are directions. Well, the only way for you to get there is for the person who knows the directions to write them out for you. Yeah, yeah it's called the Bible, everybody. See, so that God's word to you is the infinite God speaking to all these spiritual people. You are all spiritual, whether you like it or not, admitted it or not, you are spiritual. You are. And so the infinite God has to speak to the finite people and say, here are the directions. Here, he has to reveal himself to us. Here's who I am. And I think that's your next step, is you gotta question that stuff. Like, okay, great, we're all spiritual. Like, how's that, in just, how's that logically just work out? It doesn't. You have to have a infinite God speak to the finite person. And the only time and place that that has happened, the only place you could turn is to God's word, okay? Written over 2,000 years, 60, you know, six books, four different authors, over four or five different continents and different languages, all saying the same thing. What is it? Is God outside of time speaking to you and I saying, here's who I am. Here's how much I love you. And I'm sending my son to go to the cross for your sins, okay? And so hopefully you wrote down all that really fast. Or just bring them to church and try to get them here and we'll, we'll love on them for you and with you, okay? So you wanna do one more, Tate, or what? Yeah, I think we could do one more. Okay, which one do you wanna do? Tate's one. <laughs> Tate's like, I don't wanna do what they're telling me to do. That's an eight, by the way, just wanting to do her own thing. Yeah, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. That's up there, that's up there. So I know that sex should be safe for marriage, but how far is too far? That one? What advice? That's good too. That one went up top. Oh, no, it's 12. Is that one? Those are the top three right now. Go for it. Pick one. You pick one. I don't like the pressure. You're so good under You're pressure. You're the leader. That's right. You're the leader. You pick, you pick that? one. That's right. That's yeah. Right. You pick. Well, as a leader, you're, answer sit here and submit. you're answering this next question. This is on you. <laughs> um, so I know sex should be saved before for marriage, but how far is too far prior to marriage? So this is... All my dating friends out there, you're trying to figure this all out. Uh, scripture says in Song of Solomon, it says, do not awaken love until it is time, right? Until it is, until it is uh, time. And when is the time? It's within the, the marriage commitment. And to awaken love, I mean, you got to decide where that, line, where that line is. Can we hold hands? Can we kiss? Can we go? Can we, listen, do not awaken until it's time. Time is it within marriage, okay? We all love fires. Fires are great in the fireplace. That's where they belong. Come on, you're like with me, you're like in a fire pit. That's where it belongs. You could put all the fuel on that you want in the fireplace. Like you could douse it in kerosene and go back to the question we had about, you know, intimacy and marriage, like you all day long in the fireplace. Is anyone following the analogy? But if you douse your you know, your living room in kerosene and light it, now you, gotta, you burnt your house down. You got a mess, okay? 
And it's the same thing with, it's the same thing with uh, sex outside of marriage. Is outside of marriage, it will actually destroy a relationship. Inside of marriage, it enhances the relationship. It brings, it brings what God intends to the relationship. And so the question isn't how, how far is too far. The question is, when's the right time? Right, and the time, so in other words, not where's the line, like a good pastor, you gotta have things rhyming. Where's the line? It's not, it's not the question. The question is when's the time? The time is marriage, and until then, it's not how close do I get, it's like, hey, how do I honor that? Can I, can I just, I'm gonna say something real quick. It's probably a guy asking this question, and, and I wanna talk to the girls real quick. I'm gonna just be, be honest with you really quick. Girls, you're, you're a young girl in here, and you got a boyfriend, all he wants to do is make out let me tell you right now, just, 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 I, you, I'm, this is God speaking to you right now, ready? Like, like literally break up with him. Because I'm going to tell you right now, what you have is a boy that you're dating. He doesn't know how to honor you, okay? He needs to honor this, this, you and God in that relationship. And if all he ever wants to do is go find some back alley to make out, he's, he's not honoring your purity. He's not honoring you as a woman. And, and you, you're, I'm telling you, you, I tell you already, you're better than that, sister. Like, God's got more for you. And you just, you just, I, I'm going to find myself a man who's got some momentum in his life, who knows how to guard my purity and honor me and, and, and is, holds me in such high esteem that he's willing to wait for our marriage. Like, come on, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, you got to find that kind of man in your life. And so, until then, you just got some boys that are trying to figure it all out. And they will be the ones living with mom and dad until they're 30 playing video games at their house. I'm telling you, you do not want them in your life. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hey, touch on how you always talk about self-control begins yeah. when you're dating. Yeah, that's something absolutely. that you carry into your marriage. Absolutely. I, uh, I always say you, you play how you practice. So what I mean by that is that if you cannot honor God in a dating relationship and practice self-control, then you will not honor God. You cannot do it in a marriage relationship. Every, it's a lie that says that sexual temptation goes away when you get married. That's not true. Otherwise, we would not have, we would not have the, uh, you know, adultery. We wouldn't have addiction to porn. We wouldn't have, right? All of that happens in marriage. Sexual addiction doesn't go away. It changes. It shifts. And if our sexual temptation doesn't go away, it, it, it changes, it shifts. And so if you can't learn to slay those dragons in a dating relationship, my goodness, friends, open up your eyes. You, you could be walking into some dangerous waters in a marriage relationship. Honor God now, and you'll be able to honor God then. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? And so I just, and a lot of times, guys will put, try to put blindfolds over girls and, well, you know, we're almost married, and you know, it's like, no, honor me. Like, you're worth it, guys. You're worth that commitment of, uh, of purity and, and honoring God, okay? That's not to say it's easy. You did not hear that. And if you've messed up, like, that's what forgiveness and grace and mercy yeah. and, and, and all of that is all about. And you just need keep, you just keep coming back to, man, God, we just need your mercy. We need your grace. Amen? Come on, church. Amen? Listen. That was fun, Tate. Good that job. Was fun. Second service is going to be completely different too. You guys can catch that, catch that online. If you have a question that did not get answered, we'll leave some of those in the queue to help start things into, into the next service. And I always, I want to end with saying this. Everybody look at me. We're talking about relationships. And I tell you right now, your relationships in your life, whether friends, married, whatever, 
fill in the blank, all your relationships in life horizontally can never be what God intends them to be until your relationship with God vertically is, is right. Like you're, you're, you, you could have a good marriage, but you can't have a great marriage until God is at the center of your marriage. You could have a good friendship, but you can't have a great friendship until God is at the center of that friendship. And so you want the healthiest thing you can do for your relationships is to get your relationship with God right. I mean, that's just where it all happens. You focus on that and everything, the outflow of that is healthy relationships around, around your life. So I realize that there's some of you in here today, you come in, a friend brought you, it's Super Bowl, you're sitting here listening to us up on stage and you're starting to think to yourself, you know what, I have broken some things in my life and, and I have some relationships I'd like to see better. And, I, and so I just wanna talk to you and tell you, you have a God in heaven that you need to uh, step into relationship with first. And he loves you more than you could ever imagine. And no matter how far you've ran from God today, he's waiting. He's waiting just to bring you home. And life and healing and hope, and it all happens in the context of walking with God. Some of you need to start that relationship today. The most important relationship of your life by just saying yes to him before we leave this place. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. We've done our own thing, we've gone our own way. The wages of that, it's, is the wages of what the Bible calls sin, it, he says is death. It's a separation from God in the here and now, and a separation that will last for all eternity if it's not dealt with in the here and now. Well, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to take upon himself what you deserve for your sin, for your wrongdoing, for you running after your own things. He took it on himself so that you can be forgiven, washed, cleansed, and brought back into the relationship with God that you've been created to have, designed to have. And so basically, my friend, what you need to do today is say yes to God, to surrender your life to Him. And I would love to give you an opportunity to do that as we close out service today.